0: Welcome to the Take Back Your Territory podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Wenland. I believe in doing work holistically, spirit, soul, and body, not just searching for the next thing to transform your outside. This is a faith based podcast to inform you, encourage you, and set you on a path to walk in victory in every aspect of your life. Check out the book Food Freedom a faith-based holistic approach to shift you from defeat to victory over emotional eating over on Amazon. Head over to the website, takebackyourterritory.com, for more information on coaching, to sign up for the Freedom Newsletter, download free printables, and read testimonials of those who have worked with me. Thank you for joining me today. Be well and be free. Welcome to episode 137 of the Take Back Your Territory podcast. My name is Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you are listening for the first time, I'm so excited that you're here. Hopefully you will find inspiration to help you on your journey towards transformation um, into becoming the person that God created you to be. If you are joining me again, thank you so much for coming back. I'm so excited to be walking out this freedom journey and this journey of you taking back your territory. Today we are talking about self-sabotage, what it is and what it isn't. I um, did a little bit of this teaching, well, this is the teaching that I did, um, on our week one freedom call, and that week was Take Back Your Territory. And this podcast and that teaching came out of really just listening to people, um, understanding that this is something that we do do in emotional eating, um, but it is also something that we do potentially in the rest of our lives. You may only have one area in your life that you will actually self-sabotage, but you may not be here because of emotional eating. So I want to kind of broaden the scope here. So self-sabotage is destroying ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, sometimes spiritually. We deliberately hinder our own success and well-being, and we do it by undermining our personal goals and values. Most causes of self-sabotage are low self-esteem, What results from low self-esteem is a negative self-talk and then we attach negative emotions onto those things that we're thinking about. So by actually partaking in self-sabotage, we are continually reinforcing the behavior, continually reinforcing that low self-esteem, that negative self-talk with those negative emotions, which will then result in failure. A lot of times I like to pull back and when I see a self-sabotage moment, I always, I attach the emotion that I'm feeling in the moment, and then I also investigate the emotions that I feel on the back end. Because usually what I feel on the back end of a moment of self-sabotage is failure and shame and fear and condemnation. And that isn't just with eating, um, that's with you know planning to do something and not doing it, or really just kind of living in this this failure mentality self sabotage can be conscious or unconscious it is oftentimes rooted in a difficult childhood maybe you have a you know dysfunctional parents or some dysfunction happened in your childhood maybe you didn't you know acquire a secure attachment style um, but not only could it be rooted in a difficult childhood, it could also be rooted in the dynamics of past relationships. So if you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, um, a previous marriage or even a current current marriage, the dynamic of that relationship, whether you experienced some type of, and I'm throwing this word out here as lightly as I possibly can, um, but if you've experienced some type of abuse, mental emotional physical or spiritual and it caused you to go into low self-esteem it caused you to think less of yourself it caused you to look at yourself in a negative way the dynamic of that relationship can bring you to a place of self-sabotage A lot of times when I'm one-on-one with people and they're talking to me about self-sabotage, I have three questions for them that kind of prime the pump into what we're going after. Number one, are you afraid of failure? Number two, are you afraid of success? This one catches them off guard, (laughs) but are you afraid of success? And number three, why do you feel the need to control? A lot of times what I have found is to undermine self-sabotage rather than undermining yourself, what we need to do is to start stating our needs. But in even even in order for us to start stating our needs, what we have to understand is that we are worthy of our needs being met. That we have a voice, that we have emotions, that we have needs and wants. And then we also deserve to be heard, that we deserve to be taken care of. Because self-sabotage is often a modality of self-protection. And sometimes it's rooted in the orphan mindset or a scarcity mindset. But it, it comes from a place of sometimes, no, not all the time, but sometimes it comes from a place of no one is coming to save me and so I have to rescue myself or I have to take care of myself um, to the point of my own detriment where I don't let anyone in, I don't let anyone you know try to meet my needs, I am the one that meets my needs and no one else can do this. So there are ways out of this But because it is rooted in a place of low self-esteem and negative self-talk with negative emotions on there, the work that we actually have to do is to change the way we are thinking about ourselves, alter the emotion that we have tied to it, and begin to start speaking life over ourselves. Because when we fall into self-sabotage, what is the result? Well, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We feel like a failure. We feel shame. We feel condemnation. Why can't you get yourself together? I can't believe you did this again. We're continually berating ourselves and beating ourselves down for making a mistake or falling short or not doing what we intended to do in the first place. A lot of times we are walking around not knowing our values, not knowing our true goals, and assigning what we think we should want, what we think we should do, what we think other people think we should do, but we're really not getting in touch with who we actually are as people. God, how did you create me? What were the ingredients that you put into me at my creation? It seems like we oftentimes, you know, in, in, you know, secular society, all of that, we talk about mindfulness, we talk about awareness, and those are all good things. Um, now, it comes to the point where the self gets promoted higher than God, and we can often, you know, move into pride. But the truth of the matter is, is that each one of us have been created uniquely and on purpose, with a purpose, with a mission. We were created to be his workmanship, to do good works. And at your creation, you were called and I was called very good. But we can often believe That we're just supposed to be living these lives that everyone else is living. We're supposed to want the same things and do the same things. Um, I was raised that you, you work, you make as much money as you possibly can. You don't take vacations. You don't take breaks. You don't spend any family time because you're too exhausted to work. And you get out of high school and maybe you go to college, but it's about work, 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 work. And you pay your bills and you buy the things that you want to buy. And um, life is exhausting. And that's it. And life is just about work. And for me to come out of that mentality, um, I had to come out of it when I became a stay-at-home mom, when I was pregnant with our second. She's special needs and I wasn't able to work a full-time job or to be out of the home whatsoever. And so I no longer could get my worth from my work. And that type of low self-esteem of I'm worthless, I'm unworthy, I'm not making any money, I'm not working, I'm just sitting here feeding babies and wiping butts, that went up really hard against what I thought I valued at the time. And what I valued at the time, because I was told I was to value it, was work and money. But as I understood my season in life, as I understood my place, my value came from raising my children, from knowing that my children are safe, knowing that no one else is speaking into them um, that I don't approve of at the time. Now they're in school and, you know, we have to combat things, but... There was definitely moments of negative thoughts, negative self-talk, and negative emotions wrapped up in my season, and that could definitely have led to self-sabotage. So when we attach our values and our goals to what we're doing, and I do this in food freedom, that, that when we create our food boundaries, we do it in declarations. We do it from a place of who we are in Christ. We do it from a place of identity. I am a woman of worth and therefore this is how I eat. I am a woman who values health and healing and wholeness and energy and therefore these are the foods that I eat and these are the foods that I don't eat. And it's about stating your needs. It's about coming into a place of self-respect rather than just self-protection. But when we come up into alignment with understanding that we are worthy of being respected, and in order for us to live and operate in that, we have to start respecting ourselves, which means we have to start understanding our values and we have to start understanding our true goals, not these goals that other people want to put on us. People can should on you all day. People should on me all day how I should look and how I should act and how I should create this and what I should do and when my deadline should be. But at the end of the day, they're not the ones sitting in this chair doing the work. And they're not the one seeking after God, hoping that he will give me a download so that I can move forward. But I have enough self-respect for myself now that I can say, these people can say whatever they want to, but it's not going to change me and it's not going to change what I do. When we learn how to self-respect, when we learn to stand up for our needs, we are teaching people how to treat us. There's a woman in my coaching that she has been working for, for decades to get healthy and to get free and her family knows she's on this journey but they keep bringing Dairy Queen and McDonald's and Taco Bell and you know all of these things that are the opposite of the things that she has chosen to eat and we had a conversation about it last night on the freedom call um, where she has made her needs known to her family She has said, this is what I'm doing. And I would appreciate it if you would, you know, she had a kale salad ready for her dinner. And I would appreciate it if you would help me in this and respect me in this. And the family just, I got you a blizzard. And she's like, what do I do? And my answer to that was, you still continue to choose to respect yourself. You can put this stuff in the garbage and dump your dish soap over it you can make it apparent to the to the people that bought you this food hey remember this conversation that we had yeah I still value my health I still value um, you know my my blood sugars being stable I still am on this journey to freedom and I would appreciate it if you wouldn't buy it for me because you're just wasting money because here it is in the garbage now what that was bumping up against in her is this idea that that you can't waste food and that you have to eat all of it and if someone gives it to you that's a gift and you have to you have to eat it with with gratitude but in my opinion when it is going against your goals when it is going against your value and it is disrespecting what you're actually trying to do. You are valuing the money and you are valuing the food more than you're valuing yourself, more than you're valuing your body, more than you're valuing your health. And I would rather dump $10 worth of fast food in the garbage and eat my kale salad and and prove to myself that I am worthy of respect and not worthy of self-sabotage. I would rather dump that stuff in the garbage than begrudgingly eat it and do the damage to my body that that would have been done. But that's my perspective. A lot of times in self-sabotage, people have trouble stating their needs. I'm going to mute for a second here. And the first step to start stating your needs is to know your values, to know your goals, and to know what you actually need to do and what you want to do. And then we start formulating a plan based on those. There's a chapter in the book called Reframe Your Why, and, or sorry, it's Rebuild Your Why. And it's all about finding what you value in order to set these boundaries and to and to make your needs known to yourself so that you can fall into self-respect and then we start teaching people how to actually treat us out of that right but when you actually find your values then you can start appropriating your life according to that so start stating your needs and finding what you need you have to first ask the question what do I need? What am I feeling? What is this going against that I don't like? When you when you get triggered, when you have an emotion that comes up that is uncomfortable, what am I feeling? What is this emotion? Why am I feeling it? Why am I so uncomfortable? We have to start investigating and just getting curious. And we do it objectively. We don't do it subjectively. We don't judge ourselves. We get off the throne of our hearts, we get off the judgment seat, we put Jesus back there who's compassionate and kind and full of truth and love, and we just look at ourselves objectively and say, well, why did I do that, and what did I do, and how did it make me feel, and what was the outcome? You just start investigating. When I sit down and have conversations with my friends about something that I'm struggling with or even something that's, you know, just general, they ask me questions and they ask me poignant questions. Well, why do you think that? Well, why did you do that? Well, why do you feel that way? And it's so freeing to be able to come up with your actual true answer and state it without fear of judgment, without fear of condemnation. It's so freeing. And when you start to get to know yourself and and love yourself and acknowledge this, then You'll just stop sabotaging yourself because you will be making your needs known. You will be speaking up for yourself. You will stop putting yourself down because you'll be identifying the behaviors that are going on. I totally got off track here. So we need to start. You need to start speaking your needs. Start speaking up for yourself. Now this isn't, um, you know, out of spite this isn't out of contention like we still want to be in unity with the relationships that we have friends family work romantic or our everyday interactions we're not putting people on blast on social media like that's just disrespectful but setting your boundaries and saying actually i'm not comfortable with that or you know when you said that you hurt Mm -hmm. my feelings and here's why you hurt my feelings can we not You know, there are people out there on social media that have said, why are you commenting on my body? Like, stop commenting on my body. It's not helpful. And that's them speaking up for themselves and saying, you're not allowed to do this anymore. Or I'm just going to block you. It's about respecting yourself and not allowing other people to, to impact that and then stop putting yourself down. So when you go into self-sabotage, now hindsight is twenty twenty. So it's sometimes it's easier to look back at the last time you went into self-sabotage than it is to be proactive. But then once you go back and you look, then you can take that information, you can take that knowledge because it is not failure, it is just an opportunity to learn. We can take that into the future and obviously learn from our mistakes learn from our our self-sabotage so because we understand self-sabotage is also a mechanism of self-preservation and self-protection by standing up for your needs and stating your needs and acknowledging hey, this isn't okay hey, this goes against my boundary hey, this goes against my value then we can start standing up for ourselves in the future so Hindsight is twenty twenty. Look back at the last time you self-sabotaged. Was it yesterday? Was it a week ago? Was it two weeks ago? Was it six months ago? Whatever that time. And think about what was going on around that time. And if you do have a little bit of self-awareness or a lot of self-awareness, you can say, you know what, I can see myself where I was stressed out. I can see where I was overwhelmed. I can see where I didn't take a break. I can see where I wasn't eating healthy. I can see where people were taking advantage of me and I wasn't saying, Hey, you can't do that. I can see that. I can also see where I was in maybe a volatile situation and I turned into self-harm and self-sabotage as a way of self-protecting, but it actually turned on myself when you start becoming aware of your actions what you're thinking why you're thinking it how you're feeling when you become aware of it then you can start changing it altering it so if you have a trigger into self-sabotage and your trigger is fear or shame or guilt or overwhelm or anxiety or um you know, fear of rejection, or fear of failure, or fear of success, you can have a wide range of triggers. And each time you uncover a trigger, write one to two proactive reactions to replace the self-sabotaging behavior. So we do this in food freedom, where we set these boundaries up, and then we go through all of these lies, we replace the lies with truth, we create this mantra, and, and we use it as a shield and a sword, right? A lot of times it's scripture, a lot of times it's just, it's a one zinger. So let's say every time you weigh yourself and whether you have a loss or a gain or it stayed the same, every time you weigh yourself, you have a reaction to it and it causes you To go into self-sabotage now whether that's into starvation whether that's into a binge whether that's into over exercise whether that's into crying I don't even know what what that trigger would cause you to do number one we can take away the scale altogether and learn how to um, accept our body and love our body for what it is we can start speaking life over it and saying um you know, thank you for being strong. I like my strong legs. I like my hair. I like my eyes. Thank you, Lord, for creating me this way. We can start going into that. Or we can also stand on that scale, feel these emotions, and say, I see this number. It does not define me. It does not change my values. It does not change my goals. Nothing is going to change from this data because it's just data. It's just your gravitational pull, right? That's it. Let's say you have a really bad day at work and you come home and you make dinner, you eat dinner, you sit in front of the TV and you just don't feel fully rested. And so you start to go on the cupboard and you start eating things that you don't want to eat. Now when we investigate that, we can see was I overstressed, was I tired, was I overemotional? You know, we can look at those things. And because some because self-sabotage is rooted in self-harm with like this under mask of self-protection what we can actually look at that situation and say is, well, what I actually needed was to read a book. What I actually needed was to call a friend. What I actually needed was to have a good cry. What I actually needed was to take a bath because food was not the answer and it actually made me feel worse. So by being aware of what we do, by being aware of why we do it, understanding this is not in alignment with my values or my goals, But this over here is, which would be taking a walk, taking a bath, calling a friend. Then the next time this happens and the next time I feel this emotion, rather than going into self-sabotage or self-harm, I'm going to do this. And we proactively take that decision that we make, we write it down, we put it in a journal, we stick it on our, I don't know, stick it on your TV if you need to. Stick it on your, your, your iPad or wherever you watch things. Even if it's just a question, what do you really need? What do you really want? What's really going to bring you rest? So each, each time you uncover a trigger, write one to two productive reactions, productive and proactive reactions to replace the self-sabotaging behavior. We also need to practice getting comfortable with failure. It's normal to be afraid of rejection and failure and abandonment and any type of an emotional pain. That's completely normal. Welcome to living. But we can take a conscious or an unconscious steps. We, we, we take these steps to avoid this pain. But some of these steps lead to self-harm and self-sabotage. So when we practice getting comfortable with failure, we need to accept that in the realities of life, there is going to be failure and there's going to be pain. It is a part of life. But really, it's it's how you look at it. When When I talk about failure, I look for a lesson. And I know that out of 100 times, I'm probably going to fail 97 times and succeed three times. But because I understand that about myself, I don't like to fail, but it doesn't create this chasm inside of me that it used to. When I didn't meet the mark before because I had all or nothing thinking, if I failed or if I didn't perform or or do 100%, I stopped it was zero or hundred it was an a or f there was no b minus or c plus but that is not kind and all that leads into is self-harm and self-sabotage and it comes against our dreams it comes against our values it comes against our goals and it's basically an obstacle in standing in front of this life that we're supposed to be living So really just come to the understanding that living this life, you're going to fail and you're going to feel pain. You're going to have grief. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to be stressed. And I believed this lie in Christianity for so long. I had this person say this to me and I was like, what? And she said it to me in one of the most depressive times in my life she said if you are not on a mountaintop with jesus every single day you're doing it wrong what and so i lived in this wow i'm doing it wrong and i'm really not hearing god and and, and i lived in this chaos for about six months after she said this to me until i heard a sermon that said He is the God of the mountaintop, but he's also the God of the valley. That he walks us with us in the valley. That all of these scriptures in the Bible about walking through the fire and not being burned, walking through the waters and not drowning, you know, in the valley of the shadow of death, all of these scriptures. If you believe that you are to go through this life without hardship, without stress, without pain, without grief, and somehow just because you have this something that I clearly don't have, if you believe that there's something wrong with you, please stop it. stop <clears throat> it literally says in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world that does not mean that we live in the stuff we definitely live above the fray we definitely can, can rise above it we definitely are already seated at the right hand of the throne of god in christ jesus But having this expectation that everything is supposed to be easy and everything is supposed to be and I'm always supposed to have this peace and and I'm never going to have anxiety and and if I do have it, then there's something wrong with me. Please stop believing this lie. Now, can we have joy despite hardship? Yes. Can we have peace despite grief? Yes. Yes. Can we have light despite darkness? Yes. Can we have life despite death? Yes. But there are 365 times in the Bible where God has spoken and he said, do not fear. Paul even wrote in Philippians about being anxious for nothing, but set your mind on what is true, what is normal, what is honorable, what is right. That means that there are going to be times in your life of anxiety And this is how you reframe, but what is true? And you can remember the things that are true about your life, about God, even in the midst of being anxious. He said, be anxious for nothing, for no thing. Because we know that God will take care of us. God will protect us. God will keep us safe. We dwell in the shelter of the Most High. We abide in the shadow of his wing, but we're still human and we're still going to have failure and we're still going to fall short and we're still going to feel pain. So putting this expectation on ourselves to be perfect or to be hundred percent all the time, is just setting you up for the one thing that you don't want, which is failure. All or nothing thinking has no leeway. It says that if it's less than an A, if it's less than perfection, it's unacceptable. All or nothing thinking also makes you treat yourself like you are already a failure. If you aren't feeling well and you have a laundry list of things to do and you don't get to, you know, let's say you have 10 things to do and you get to two of them, Do you berate yourself and call yourself a name and feel like a failure because you weren't able to do those other eight things? Or can you give yourself compassion and grace and say, you know what, I wasn't feeling well, I'll do that tomorrow. I know for a fact that whatever standard, if you're in all or nothing, if you're in perfectionism, if you're in this, whatever standard you're holding yourself to, I don't think God is holding you to that. I don't think God is holding you to perfection. He doesn't have that expectation over you. So why do you have that expectation over you? It sounds like pride. It sounds like fear. Okay. So we need to identify our needs. We need to start standing up for ourselves. We need to choose compassion when you're in self-judgment. We need to ask, what can I do to ease my mental suffering? And a lot of times the answer is, I need to be nice to myself. (laughs) I need to do for myself what I would do for my best friend if he or she was in this situation. Treat yourself like you're your own friend, like you're your best friend. Or even ask, you know, how, how how is Jesus speaking to me in this time? Holy Spirit, what do you say about me in this time? Because I guarantee you it's going to be compassionate, it's going to be kind, it's going to be full of grace. He convicts us, absolutely. But he does not shame us, he does not berate us, he does not beat us over the head. With an idiot stick. How you treat yourself is one of the few things in your life that you can control. Gone are the days where we can say, I can't control my thoughts. I can't control my emotions. That is a lie. If you can control anything in your life, it is your thoughts, it is your emotions. And it is what comes out of your mouth. So treat yourself well. When you are kind to yourself, you can see ways where you are unkind to yourself. You can focus on what you did well and what you did accomplish than what you failed at, or what you did or did not accomplish, or what you did not accomplish. <clears throat> you can say to yourself, I did my best. No one is expecting perfection from me, not even God. I hoped to get 100%. I got 85%, and at that time, that was my best. I will try to do better later. So I hope that you took a couple tools away, a couple things away that you can use the next time you go into self-sabotage. And, and the biggest thing that I want you to take away from this podcast and from this teaching is to come out of self-condemnation, self-judgment, and shame. Because that's just going to lead you into more self-sabotage. Those thoughts are self-fulfilling prophecies, and we will follow them into our own detriment at the end of the day it is gratitude that can change our brain chemistry the fastest so even if you stumble into self-sabotage this weekend or sometime after this podcast if you can look back and say thank you lord for whatever thank you lord for if you binged on food thank you lord for the food that was in my fridge thank you lord for the electricity that kept my fridge running. Thank you, Lord, for the grocery store. Thank you, Lord, for the job that provided the money that paid for the electricity and paid for the food. Thank you, Lord, that I have fat pants in my closet. Or if your self-sabotage is a different substance, thank you, Lord, that I have another day to try again, and I know that you are with me. Thank you, Lord, that I believe that you will never leave me nor forsake me that you are still looking at me with compassion and kindness. Holy Spirit, teach me how to do the same. So I hope and pray that you look at yourself with compassion and kindness, whether you're doing it well or you're just sucking at it. (laughs) Until next time, keep moving forward.